Uh, someone said, I, I would love to hear Brother Beckham sing. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I, everyone would run out the back door holding their ears. And, uh, but uh, I'd sure love to hear them sing. Amen. They have recorded, we don't have them yet, but hopefully they will be at the national conference this year. They're gonna, the guy that recorded them is going to bring the CDs. And they have done one in Spanish, and they have done one in English. And hopefully we'll have our hands on those uh, in October. Let me call your attention again to the book of Ephesians. Isn't Ephesians a good book? All the books of the Bible are so wonderful. I've been studying all day long just the Word of God, just uh, on prayer. That's, uh, you know, that's the subject God laid upon my heart almost 20 years ago now. Diane's been in heaven. And um, God has really opened my eyes to what prayer really is. It's the highest honor, privilege that we have. And as the young lady was singing, we all can pray. You know, we can all pray. When you can't do nothing else, you can pray. And um, matter of fact, I talk to him off and on all day today. And uh, I try to talk to him all day every day. You know why? Because I can't do nothing without him. Can't do nothing. And uh, I need his help. And, um, and I just fell in love with him when he saved me because I was on my way to hell. And Jesus came by and spoke to my heart and saved me. And he did you the same way, I hope. Amen. And if you don't know him, I hope you do know him when you leave tonight. So let's, let's stand and read this one little verse. And I'll review a little bit. You know how I do. And I'll review a little bit, and, and then we'll get into what God wants me to say to you tonight. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, now this is one of Paul's greatest prayers, and this is what he said. Therefore I desire that ye faint not, or do not lose heart, at my tribulations for you, which is... Your glory. See, Paul didn't want these believers to, to get weary and fall on the wayside. And guess what? The Bible doesn't want us to either. He doesn't want us to put our eyes on this virus and get all down in the dumps. Amen? He wants us to keep our eyes on him. And if we do that, we'll be okay. But that's when we get our eyes off of God. That's when we are in trouble. Do you understand that? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be able to stand, to be able to preach your word. And Father, you have spoken to me all day long. And my heart is full and I have a lot to say. And Lord, I pray that each word will be bathed with your love. And Lord, I pray that I will be very, very sensitive to the people that's sitting before me. And I can be very loving to them. 
And Lord, I pray that that lost person will be saved tonight. Thank you. I sure love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Look in verse 16 with me just for a few moments. Paul said in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says almost the same thing. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Those word, that wording there to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man is the Holy Ghost, allowing the Holy Ghost to strengthen you and strengthen me. I hope that you have done that today. If you woke up this morning and you started your day in the flesh, well, you started all wrong. Uh, We need to wake up in the morning, crucify the flesh, and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us for whatever we face that day. And that's what I did this morning. And uh, that's what I try to do every morning. And I hope that you do the same thing. Um, he is speaking here of the heart and the mind and the soul. And so as we face things like the virus and, and jobs, uh, losing our jobs and, and, and physical problems and all kind of things that American people are facing right now, and the stock market and all this stuff and the election. Everybody's scared to death. But let me report to you, you don't have anything to be afraid of. God's got it under control. Uh, and all we need to do is sit back and just leave it with him. Let our hands hang. You remember that sermon uh, three or four years ago? Uh, what you mad about, I think was the name. And, and I said to you then, just let your hands hang. Get your hands off of stuff. Get your mind off of stuff. And give it to God and be strengthened with him. And when I think about uh, what I said to you last night, about Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to over, uh, just jump over some of the stuff I said last night to you. But look in Nehemiah 8.10, because I want to get to what God has laid upon my heart tonight. It's good. It's good stuff. And, and Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, Neither be ye sorrow, sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Boy, I'm glad that's in the Bible. I'm glad I can report to my brothers and sisters, hey, let me tell you something. Uh, your, your, your strength comes from God's joy. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And then we looked at Galatians last night, chapter 5, and verse 22 and verse 23. And let me say this again. Uh, it's not fruits, but it's fruit. And there's nine characteristics to this fruit and, and when you get born again, that fruit moves into your life. And, and I see a lot of people that doesn't have the love of Christ. But they claim to be Christians, but, but they don't have the love of Christ in their heart. But I'll tell you this, if you have the Holy Ghost inside of you, you will have love in your heart. Amen? You will have love in your heart. And you will love like Jesus loved in Matthew 5, 44, a verse that changed my heart uh, 20-something years ago. Because let me tell you, 
I, I was not the man back then as I am tonight. But, um, and, and I'm glad, I, I'm, I'm glad I, I am different. It took 20 years, but, but I'm different. I'm a different man than I was many years ago. And I preach, but I didn't preach with the love that I do today. I don't preach with the joy that I did to, today. Back then, it was more, more, of a, uh, more like a ministry. I mean, it, it, uh, I try to straighten everybody out. And, and I try to, uh, you know, but um, that's not the way we should do. We should love one another. And we need to love our enemies. We need to uh, bless them and cur- um, do good to them and pray for them. I'm talking about the enemies. Amen. And we need to do that. We need to have that spirit, especially in the day in which we live. And so we, we touched on love last night. But I didn't touch on 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. It's one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. And it talks about love. But it doesn't talk about friendship love. And it doesn't talk about puppy love. It's talking about in those four, four or five verses, it talks about the agape love, God's love. And when you have God's love in you, let me tell you, it, it, you will love your enemies and you will love one another and you will try to get along with everybody. Amen. You will because of the love of Christ that is in your heart. Look in Romans 5 in verse 5. It said, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Now, let me say this to you. Uh, I, I was reading today about the Holy Spirit. And uh, the author was talking about uh, being afraid that you're going to get tagged and all this stuff. Uh, Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's not a ghost. I know the Bible says the Holy Ghost. But don't be afraid of pneumatology. Don't be afraid of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit because he is your friend. He is your guide. He He is the one that gets you through the day. Amen. And then we looked at joy. And again, I'm going to have to say this. Some of you look like you've been sucking those lemons again tonight. And you look like you've been chewing on that green persimmon. Uh, but, 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 but just think about God saving you. Just think about what God's done for you today. And a joy, joy will flood into your heart. And a smile will come on your face. And you might even stand up and shout, I don't know. But I, uh, if you did, I might faint. Amen. Uh, but let me tell you, let me just tell you, we need the joy of the Lord. We, people need to see that, that, that we're not letting the world uh, rob us of our joy. You know, David said, uh, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And, you know, some of you might even need to do that right now. Just say, Lord, I am so sad. I am so down in the dumps. I just feel like I'm, a, I'm defeated. I feel like I, I'm a, a complete failure. And Lord, I need, I need my joy back. 
Just confess whatever you're facing and, and ask God to give you joy back to you. Amen. Look in Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not, it's not in the flesh, but it's in, it's in the Lord. And then when I think about the Apostle Paul, we talked about him some last night. And uh, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I am exceedingly sorrowful in all our tribulations. 2 Corinthians 6, 10, he said, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And if Paul can do it, uh, we can do it. Amen? Someone said, Brother Beckham, was, was you joyful when Diane was dying? I tried to be. Because it was during those two and a half years that God changed Brother Beckham and put me in this ministry. It was during those years that, that I learned I, I, I didn't have to walk in the flesh every day, but that I needed to crucify the flesh every day and allow the Holy Spirit work in my life. And when I did that, God gave me the greatest ministry I've ever had. And God gave me many, many doors, and I'm book, booking into 2024. And it's not because of Brother Beckham. It's because of God. It's because of what he has done in my life, and, 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 I'm, and I praise him for that. Let me, let me give you this verse again. I gave it to you last night in Psalms 511. Look at it with me, Psalms chapter 511. We're almost there. We're almost getting ready to bring the message for the night. But I, I just want the review. I like the review. I want you to get the message. Uh, all these, I don't know why I preached eight messages in the beginning years. And I don't know why evangelist does that today. Most people can't remember what a pastor preaches on Sunday morning, on Sunday night. And so uh, evangelists come in, they preach eight or nine messages, and, 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 they, and they leave, and people go, I wonder what he said on Sunday. How about Monday? I wonder what, what he said on Monday. And uh, I, I have asked Brother Reno, I, have, I took a survey, I've asked pastors to ask their people what they preached on a week from that sermon. Most people can't tell. But if you, if you get one sermon and preach it all month, they might get it. Amen? Most Baptists will get it after a month. But, but that's what I do. I just get me one message. I get about five or six points, and I preach it all week long, and I review each night. At the end of the week, they know what I... What, I had a little two-year-old boy. Now, he wasn't an average two-year-old boy. He was actually a genius. And, um, and that little boy, every night, walked out the back door telling me what I preached. And, and he didn't talk like a two-year-old either. And I thought, wow, I'm going to ask that little boy to preach for me on Friday night. I asked the pastor, I said, I want that little boy to preach my message on Friday night. And he said, whatever you want to do, Brother Beckham. And I said, okay. And, and the little guy got sick. And couldn't come, but I guarantee you, he knew my sermon, and and so and and it's because I just kept drilling it into him and and the whole church, and every week, every week I do this, and because I I want you to get it. I love you. I want you to get the mess. I want you to apply it to your life. I want you to live a victorious life. But not only does Brother Beckham want you to do this, God wants you to do it. Your Heavenly Father wants you to do it. Amen. So look at this verse with me. And thank you for letting me be me. 
uh, uh, when I come to Berean Baptist. Thank you for letting me be me. A lot of people want me to be Dr. Beckham and all this stuff. And, and I just like to be me. Amen? And you let me do that. Look in Psalms 511. But let all those, that's, that's us, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. God says, look, you have put your trust in me. Rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. So let's, let's take this verse to heart and do what it says. Amen. Just rejoice in the Lord. The other night I had, I had the folks, Brother Reno, I had the folks to stand. And I said, let's just do a little exercise. And they stood and I said, let's say amen. And they said, amen. I said, let's say praise the Lord. And they all praised the Lord. And I, I did some other things. I said, now you may have a seat. And everyone had a smile on their face for a little while. You know why? Because they praised God. They, 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 forgot, they forgot the world for a while. They forgot the problems. And they just stood up. And, and when they stood up that first time, and when they said, uh, praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah, and I just gave them all those good words, and then it was a joy to preach to that crowd after that, amen, because they, they realized, I am letting the devil rob me as I sit in the house of my father. I am allowing the devil to rob me of my joy. And Brother Beckham just read that verse to me, and I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to shout for joy, and I'm going to let them also that love thy name be joyful. I'm going to, because I'm one of those, I am going to be joyful. How about you tonight? Are you joyful? Are you happy? Are you happy, 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 happy? Are you? I always say this. If you're happy tonight, tell your face you're happy. Amen. I know, I know I'm riding that hobby horse. But, but, but you need, I want you to get this because the Bible says we are to be a people that are rejoicing. Amen. And then look at the next one we looked at last night. Peace of God. Oh, my soul. A lot of people are not joyful because they're not peaceful. And um, we talked about that justification piece last night. You have the peace because you're saved. And then you have the great peace and then you have the perfect peace. But we get all offended, don't we? And the Bible says if you have perfect peace, nothing is going to offend you. And so it, it, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at us. Nothing is going to offend you. It doesn't matter what someone does to you. Nothing's going to offend you because you have that perfect peace and that great peace and that justification peace. Now, we're getting to the sermon for the night. Are you ready? Amen. Uh, long-suffering, long-suffering the word long-suffering simple means simply to suffer long. And let me ask you this. Look up here. Let me ask you. 
when something comes your way, and I mean it just tears you up. Uh, and, and, and when you look at it, let me ask you this. Are you sweet, serene, calm, peaceful under all circumstances? Do you endure patiently under distrust? Or are you quick-tempered and easily provoked? Think about it. As I stand here and watch you, think about it. You're irritated. Someone has hurt you. Let me ask you. Under all these circumstances, are you calm, peaceful? Loving, caring. With that word long-suffering, and, that, and that's a part of the fruit that moved into your heart at the time of salvation. You should have that if you're born again. But let me ask you, is that true in your life tonight? You will never have revival until you answer that word, answer that question honestly. I've had people to answer it publicly. Brother Beckham, I cannot say that I am long-suffering. I cannot say that. But I want to be able to say that. And I've seen them literally run down the aisle and get on the altar and, and, and cry out to God and repent and, 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 and start doing right. And they have become uh, 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 accountable to the church. And I have seen hundreds of them. I have maybe seen thousands of them do it. I have seen preachers do it. I've seen deacons do it. I've seen entire deacon board uh, get saved one, one week. The, every deacon in the church, all seven of them, sat on the front row. And in the first Sunday I was there, I knew something was wrong with that crowd. I knew it. I knew it. And I didn't know they weren't saved, but I knew something was wrong. And as I was preaching, they all, the, all seven of them made a profession of faith that week and got right. And they had been in church most of their life, and they were in their 40s and 50s and 60s and maybe even a 70-year-old, and, and, they, and they, they realize we don't have what Brother Beckham's talking about. This, this, what he's talking about, we do not have, and one at a time started standing, and they made it public before the whole church, and, and revival broke out, and then the entire Sunday school staff got saved, and, and we had revival in, in the mountains of Georgia that week, and they still are talking about that that revival even to this day and it's because people was honest we need honesty in churches across this country as long as we lie to ourselves and lie to one another we will never have revival we have to take each one of these points and we have to say yes or no yes or no yes or no are we long suffering yes or no if the answer is no we need to say, Father, forgive me and help me to bear, to be long-suffering. 
Even in our marriages, we need to be long-suffering. Even in our schools, we need to be long-suffering. On our jobs, we need to be long-suffering. Amen? Are you, are you listening? Is it, getting, is it going into your heart? I hope so. I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. The Holy Ghost seeks to develop the image of Christ in us. He seeks to develop the image of Christ in us. Look at this verse, 1 Peter 2, 23. Who, when he was reviled, or when he was spoken of as a deceiver, charged with being in the lead with Beelzebub, the prince of the devil, and condemned as a blasphemer against God, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Let me say this to you. Look up here. I was reading the book of Isaiah a couple weeks ago. And ever since, I mentioned it every night. So I might as well not break, break it, break that record. I might as well say it again tonight. I was reading Isaiah 53 and I came to verse 7. And I said, Wow. Here is Jesus standing there before the judgment, had been beaten until man could not tell who he was. People mocking him, laughing at him. Let me tell you, two times in that verse taught me the greatest lesson I've been knowing it all my life, all for the last 70 years I've been knowing it. But I read it that day in that motel room, that hotel room, and it stood out at me, and I thought, there's the key. There's the key to happiness. There's the key to victory right there. Because we are so quick. To open this and to let this wag. Amen? You know what that verse says? He stood there. Now, do you get this, Berean Baptist Church? Get this. Whatever you're facing, get this in your mind, what Jesus did. And, and, and it says here, if we say that we abide in him, we ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So whatever Christ did, we are to do also. Now, we Bible believers, right? Now, get this. The Bible says twice in that one verse, and he openeth not his mouth and he openeth not his mouth Billy Sunday said it like this 
He said, you can take a shotgun. You can aim it at an object. And when you pull the trigger, there is no way you can reach out and pull the shot back. Once you pull the trigger, the damage is going to be done. And once we pull the trigger that's in our mouths, the damage is done. But if we are loving and we are a joyful people and a peaceful people and a long-suffering people, guess what? We're going to use this the way God wants us to use it. Amen. Have you, you may be sitting here tonight and you may be saying, Brother Beckham, I, I, I know exactly what you mean because I have regrets for things I have said down through my life. I have regrets. If you're here tonight and you haven't been long-suffering, you do have regrets, you know what you need to do? You need to go to that person and you need to say, I'm sorry. Get it straightened out. Amen? Because you said, Brother Beckham, why do you deal with this kind of stuff? Because this is the keys, Brother Reno. This is the keys to, to have a relationship with the Lord. If these things are not active in our lives, let me tell you, you will never have a relationship with the Lord, a prayerful relationship. These are essentials to a life of prayer. I know it's hard to listen to, but as I said last night, try to preach it. it, it it's even harder because my flesh would love to just pump you up and, and everybody shout and run out the back door. But that won't bring revival. Revival is when we are honest with ourselves Yes or no, are you a long-suffering? Yes or no, are you peaceful? Yes or no, are you joyful? Yes or no, are you loving? And then look at the next one, gentleness. That is thoughtful consideration. That is being courteous, kindly actions, the, to um, just very, in a very loving spirit, love one another. It just keeps repeating in different ways, these, these characteristics. Look in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. The Bible reminds us, love suffereth long, and it's kind. I don't know where we get off being men, that, that being gentle and long-suffering and loving, that, 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 that means that we are less of a man. Hello? <laughs> it doesn't. We don't have to prove that we are men. But I'll tell you this. A real man has these characteristics. Amen? A real man can walk away. A real man. It doesn't take a man to stand there and beat each other's eyes out. Amen? But it does... Take a man to be gentle, especially in this crazy age that we are living in right now. People think it's, it's being gentle is being a coward and, and being weak. I got news for you. I'm not a coward and I'm not weak. Amen? 
I'm a man. And I got news for you also. Jesus wasn't a coward and he wasn't weak. He was a man. Back in the 60s, I I guess it was, when they came out with that superstar. He wasn't a superstar. He was the son of God. God incarnated. Amen. And he was a man. And he also wept. Men won't cry. I've seen them sit there and and (laughs) won't, won't shed a tear. But Jesus wept. That's being gentle, folks. You men, uh, get gentle. Be gentle. You ladies, be gentle. You children, learn to be gentle. Why, preacher? Because that is a characteristic of a child of God. Oh, my church. How we can't get the lost to come to church because they don't see any difference in most churches than, than the world. Why go to church? I work with him. I work with her. Let me tell you, some years ago, probably 15 years ago, I was preaching in this town, and the church was right next door, right next door to this house. And I got tired of studying that day, and I said to little Richard, I said, Richard, um, you want to go door knocking with Granddad? And he said, Granddad, I'm right in the middle of my schoolwork. I said, just, okay, I'll go by myself. And Brother Reno, I went, I went to that house next door to that church. And I knocked on that door. This guy came to the door. And I told him, I said, I'm Evangelist Benny Beckham. I'm next door uh, to you. Uh, preaching a prayer revival. He looked at me like, okay. And I said, I would like to invite you over to the church and be a part of the service. He said, I'm not coming. Just like that. I said, why not? Why don't you want, why wouldn't you want to go to church? He said, I work with some of those people. I work with some of them. And he said, I'm not going to go over there and worship with those people. Preacher, thank you for knocking on the door. Have a good day. Shut the door. (laughs) I wanted to knock back on the door. I really did. I wanted to knock back on that door and say, would you please, I'm sorry about those folks. I'll apologize for them. Whatever they do, I'll apologize. But the Holy Spirit said, no. Just leave it alone. So I got in church that night. The Holy Spirit said, that that guy that you wanted to talk to is not the one you need to be talking to. The people you before is the one you need to tell about that story. So, guess what? I got up. And uh, I was preaching some kind of type of message like this. And, and I said to the church, I said, I went soul winning today. I went door knocking today. And, and I knocked on the door next door. And I asked the man to come to church. And the man told me he wouldn't come. You know why he said he wouldn't come? Because he worked with some of you. You could have heard a pen. So I just preached the message, gave the invitation. 
And I said, if some of you works with this guy next door, you need to let him know that you got right with God tonight and that you're going to be different on the job tomorrow. Amen. Yeah. I go back there often, and that man hadn't been in church yet. So I wonder, is he still seeing the same old thing? My dad didn't go to church for years because of the song leader in my church. Other people I know won't come to church because they don't see, they don't see these characteristics in the life of people. I'd rather be dead to be a bad testimony to somebody, to lead someone, to keep someone out of church. Amen? Oh, church, listen. This stuff is so important. And then I want you to look at, look at the next word, goodness. Romans 7 and verse 18 says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But when we were born again, we became God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus into good works, Ephesians 2.10. And so, I don't know about you, but how are you doing with this sermon? How are you doing so far? Doing okay? And then look at the next word, faith. This word means faithfulness. Faithfulness. Are we faithful to the teaching of the word of God? Are we faithful to the voice of God? Again, I read, read in that book today where we seek God's hand more than we do his face. I want to seek his face. I don't serve God for what I can get out of God. I want, his, I want these things in my life. Amen. Look at the next word, meekness. That's humility. That's lowliness of mind, which Christ is our example of those two things in pattern. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to walk humbly with God. Someone said to me last week, said, Brother Beckham, you're, you're a humble man. I said, please don't say that. Please don't say that. You don't know, Brother Beckham. Please don't say that. I am trying to be humble. Amen. I said to a young preacher, that used the pulpit as a whipping post. Took him to the side, Brother Reno, and I said, Son, let me give you some good advice. You are to be holy in all behavior. Whether you're in the pulpit or outside, you are to, you are to be a holy, meek, humble person. You are to preach the word. 
Same way with lay people. We are to be a humble people. Amen? And then look at that word temperance, um, the last one. This word contains the idea. Now listen to this. It gives the idea of having the mastery of self-control. Being controlled. Being in control. Romans 8 and verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Look in Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, here's the, here's the key. Everywhere I go, I see people walking in the flesh. Everywhere I go. Even in the little church that Jesus pastored, he had old cousin Peter, he had doubting Thomas, and he had a pure devil. And then he had nine more that couldn't pray an hour without going to sleep. How would you like to pastor that group? Mm. Mm. Mastery of self-control. I was a young preacher. I was 17 years old. Or 18, 17, 18. My pastor knew that I was going to go to Bible college and become a pastor one day. So he said to me, he said, Benny, we're going to have a business meeting on Wednesday night. And I want you to bring your notebook and I want you to sit in the back of the church and I want you to take notes on how to have a business meeting. I thought, what does this have to do with pastoring? You know, come on, pastor, teach me how to be a pastor. I don't want to take notes of a business meeting. You know, kind of like like the movie, that karate kid, the man was going to teach him karate, and he told him to do this wax on, wax off thing, and the boy couldn't understand that. Well, I couldn't understand taking notes in a business meeting. What was that going to teach me? Well, being a a good, good member, I did what the preacher said. This was a, was a Baptist church. Well, the pastor got up that night. Talking about being, on, being controlling, controlling your temper. Here I am, taking notes. Pastor gave his vision for the new year. There was a man sitting right almost in front of Pastor, about middle ways, but in front of him. He stood up. And you could tell real quick he wasn't, he wasn't right with God. And he started fussing at the preacher. 
in public. My friend, Dad, was also in the service. And Brother Joe was a prize fighter. A prize fighter. Professional boxer. And he was sitting there. And Brother Joe looked over at this guy that was screaming at the preacher. And he said, sir, hush. Sit down. The man said, mind your own business. Now, remember, I was in the back taking notes to how to have a business meeting. Not how not to have one, but how, you know. So I was taking notes. Well, the man wouldn't sit down. And then he told Brother Joe, it's none of your business. Brother Joe just took about three steps in the aisle. Hit the floor. I thought, okay. So I wrote, when you're having a business meeting, someone gets unruly, just knock them out. (laughs) Take care of the problem. Amen? That's not having the mastery of your self-control. Amen? But if you have these characteristics, you're not going to do that. You're going to just sit there and mind your own business and let God take care of that. Amen? And our pastor was six foot five, six foot six, about this broad. So he didn't really need any help with this little skinny fellow. He had a big mouth. But he was a little skinny thing. So let me ask you this. You want a prayer life, right? You want a prayer life? So when things start flaring up in, in, in your life, put action these characteristics. Just put them to action. And that way, when you pray, God can answer your prayers. But if you don't put these things, then that's, that's sin. If you know to do good and doeth it not, it's sin, right? So if you know this is in the book and you know we should be doing these things and we are not doing them, then our relationship with God is broken. Now, why is it so important for us to pray? Listen to me. The thousands, thousands of people dying across the world right now. We got the most important election in the history of the United States, how we say, coming up. You have people here that has all types of cancer and different things. You have a pastor that's been with you a long time. He has a church that has been with him a long time. 
Hebrews 13, 7, 17. So we have all these things that we need to pray for. Got a lot of missionaries that you support, that you need to remember and pray for. Now, if if you're not doing these things, and these things are not active in your life, you can't pray. You're going to let people down. You're going to let our nation down. You're going to let your family down. So what we need to do, we need to be honest tonight. Amen? Yeah, we just need to be honest. From, from, from me, all the way around the church, just need to be honest. Honesty. Can revival come? It can. Can worldwide revival come? I believe in it. But we first have to get back in the book. Amen? Yeah. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be preaching a message. It's going to be two parts. Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, on the power of revival, on the wind of revival. We need the wind to blow again. What is the wind? The Holy Ghost. We need him to blow. When the wind begins to blow on a field that's going to be planted, it's blowing the pestilence and all that stuff out of that field so that seed can grow and produce a crop. That's what we need in our churches. We need the wind of God to blow upon us. And just blow. And, and for us to say, just blow upon me. Blow upon me. And I'll follow you. Will you do that tonight? Will you do that tonight? If you will, then you'll have personal revival. And if the church would do that, then we'll have church-wide revival. And then that will lead into the city and the right on and on and on. Love you. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. And I pray in Jesus' name that we will allow the wind to blow upon our lives. And whatever the Holy Spirit has shown us tonight, that we won't fight against him. And we won't argue with him, but we'll say thank you for showing it to me and get it right. Thank you. I sure love you. I hang my hands now and and allow the Holy Spirit to work in this place. 